Amen. Amen. Let's Amen. bless Brian as Amen. he uh, gets ready to share. Woo. <laughs> good morning. We on? We good? All right. All right. Um, so first of all, I, want, I didn't know the Nerf thing was going on, right? But and I, I don't see the spots this year because I owe Caleb spots from the last one I was at. So I'll mention that to him. I think I owe Ray too, by the way, because Ray and I were on opposite teams the last time I did it. So, hey, so it's on, people. All right. So come on. All right. I, I don't move so well, so you, I usually get out pretty early, <laughs> but it's fun nonetheless. So most of you guys know I like golf. All right. I'm, in fact, I really, 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 really like golf. Um, so I thought the title of the message should be, bring it up, I tied Kyle Mungold at golf. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Kyle walks out on me right before we mentioned that. But that's a joke. But I told Kyle I needed everybody in the church to know if you're not on social media is that I actually did tie Kyle Mungold at golf. You did, I, got this, I was going to put a picture of the scorecard up. All right. And I'm going to I'm going to frame it. Um, Kyle is very good and I'm not so good. But we went out, we must have played 20 to 30 times at least. And this time Kyle was not so good and I played over my head and we tied. So I told Kyle, this is going to be the title of my sermon. Anyway, that's not, that's not the title of my sermon. But I know you guys, when you heard that I was preaching, I'm sure you said, man, I sure hope he tells some dad jokes. I, I know Dave Norris back here. He's been dying to hear these. All right. I almost let some slip this morning with them, but I figured, no, we're going to wait. All right. Until the message. So do you know how you get a country girl's attention? A tractor. Do you, there's only three of them. So bear with me. Only three. Only three. Do you know how to make seven even? Take away the S. <laughs> and, and, my, and my favorite. You know, I was thinking about doing lunges to get in shape, but that's a big step forward. <sighs> that, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Ted applauded. Thank you, Ted. All right. So. <laughs> no, that was not a dad joke. That was truth. And I will, hey, and pay attention to social media. I will repost the scorecard. All right. Anyway, um, this has been, this actually, the funny thing is God speaks to me a lot when I'm uh, driving in my truck and listening to praise music and worship music. And this was not even, I've been reading, starting to read through the New Testament again. I, I did it two or three times, read through the whole Bible in a year. I, I just... It's amazing how even in the Old Testament where God speaks to you, um, things, truths that just you never saw before. And every time I read it, something new comes about. But I just felt like I, the New Testament just recently, I started reading through and I got to Matthew 9, which we'll come up with that shortly. And I'm on my way out to my favorite place in the morning, which is the brew box for a coffee and chocolate chip cookie. Um, and I'm on my way out and I felt the Lord say, with this scripture that he wanted to speak through it. And we put up as a title is what is his response, but it's, it's really two titles to this message. And the first part is what is our response? If you've been coming here and online, if you haven't been here, you really need to get here because God's been doing some really neat stuff in our presence. 
People have been getting healed from physical, mental, emotional, every type of thing you can imagine. And he's setting people free in ways that we can't even imagine. And so I was driving along and, as, and you'll see in this scripture, God says, what's your response? To all this stuff that's going on, all the wonderful stuff that's going on in our midst, God says, what's your response to all of that? So if you have your Bibles, that's great. If not, it'll be up on your screen. I read from the New King James Version. That's what I use. Um, and it's going to be Matthew 9 and we'll do, uh, we'll do a couple verses at a time. Uh, but we'll go, I think it's like eight verses. We'll go in here. And this is after Jesus had, he did the Sermon on the Mount, right? He, he gave that message and he's, you know, getting into ministry. Uh, and, and this, we'll just start with that. So he got into a boat, crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he raised, to, oh, sorry, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. First of all, you gotta love Jesus. For this reason, they brought to him for physical healing. What's the first thing he says to him? Hey, sins are forgiven. Now, if you don't think that threw some people off, I mean, come on. They didn't even say anything. According to this, they didn't even say anything to Jesus. Or let's say four of you bring this guy in that's a paralytic, bringing up front, Pastor Steve's preaching. And before anything said, Pastor Steve says, hey, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of you would be going like, oh, getting all excited and that's awesome. But I'm going to take a bet and a guess that some of you are going like, Ugh. I think Pastor Steve may have lost it a little bit. I mean, we say that more than, no, anyway. But <laughs> especially when he sings the song like he did at Christmas, or the Christmas thing last weekend. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. yeah, be nice to him now. Yeah, all right. But I'm sure some of us would say, wow. That's a little strange. That's just a little weird. I mean, you, you have to go along with me because there's some guys probably on TV that do some strange things, some evan, you know, evangelists, some healers, and you're going like, yeah, that's just, that's, that's just a little too much. But Jesus says your sins are forgiven. But here's what we need to get to, the response of the people that were there. All right, let's move on to verse 3. At once, immediately following this, all right, the scribes, the guys that are writing the law, that are writing the stuff, that know the law, all right, they're, they're into it big time, okay? At once, some of the scribes said within themselves, they didn't say it out loud, they were thinking this, excuse me, they were thinking this to themselves. This man blasphemes. This guy is off his rocker. This guy has no idea what he's doing. He blasphemes. But Jesus, another thing, this is awesome. So they're standing there thinking this, and Jesus says to him, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say arise and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. First response is that of the scribes it says this can't be real. This can't be true. And now I want to I want to challenge you because we've seen a lot of wonderful things happen in our midst. We've seen a lot of things that God has done that obviously ta they take my breath away. They make me just stand in awe of God. But I believe there's even more to come. I think we've only touched the surface 
of what God wants to do here, but just not here out in our midst, out in when you're when you're at the grocery store. Let me tell you what happened. I'm not going to mention names because I, I, I like to call myself at the daycare, at my wife's daycare, the baby whisperer. Whenever there's a baby crying, usually I'm the guy because, you know, they're busy. We had a little one there, just a little, little guy, adorable little guy, new to the daycare and just not happy for the first couple of days, screaming, just very, very unhappy. Every time you go, he'd, if he'd fall asleep in your arms, you go to put him down. Just as soon as he touched a swing or touched a crib, it was he was crying again. So I went over and I said, you know, give him here. And I bet you, oh, my goodness, 15, 20 minutes, I'm just pacing in the hallway. Just, and he's, he'd give me five seconds of quiet and then just scream, right? Like this, like he's in pain type of scream, right? And he's a little guy. I, I should have asked my wife how old he was. I'm going to guess three, four months old. And all of a sudden, this is, this is, you know, you guys may say, oh, Brian's a spiritual guy, but it took me this long to finally decide to pray for him, all right, after hearing all this screaming, good 15 minutes. And I just felt the Lord say, pray healing over him. I just want you to pray healing over him. And so I'm walking, and usually I sing songs put to prayer because it helps me to remember. And, and so I'm praying, he's still screaming, and I bet you another 10, 15 minutes went by. And then finally I laid him down with his head over here, and he, he went off to sleep. And now, granted, he had been there a few days and hadn't slept hardly at all unless you were holding him. And so I thought, do I try to lay him down? That's, that is the ultimate question. <laughs> do you lay this? You guys, moms, you know, okay? Or if you're dad, whatever, if you're, you're like one, uh, uh, do I? But I thought, you know what? I'm going to go sit in a rocking chair, right? Rock him a while. He's, he was getting heavy at this point. So they put something underneath my arm so I could rest my arm. We rocked for another 15, 20 minutes. I thought, okay, we're going to try to lay him down. Went to lay him down and sure enough, I tried patting him, you know, I tried, you know, talking to him. I did all that stuff. Wasn't happy. Picked him back up, fell back to sleep. Well, I had to go. And so one of the ladies took him and held him and he was sleeping. I went home, did my thing, showed back up. I think it was two and a half hours later, he was sleeping in a crib. He'd been sleeping ever since. Now, this is also how not spiritual I am. I would have thought right away, oh, thank you, Jesus. You answered the prayer. You're like wonderful. And I'm just going, wow, that's pretty cool. That's really what I thought. I thought, wow, he fell asleep, right? Next day, I'm in my time of prayer. And God said, Brian, did you see what I did yesterday? And ever since then, he's been sleeping, hasn't had an issue. You see, God wants to answer our prayers. He wants to say yes. He, that's, that's his desire in his heart. But, you know, we need to start believing it. We don't, and I'm, gonna say, and I'm not going to say that I've never been like a scribe either. I've been there. I've seen some things happen. I'm going, like, eh, really? Prove it to me. Prove it to me. So that's our first response. Is you're leaning towards, as Pastor Steve kind of said, is you're leaning towards yes or is you're leaning towards, eh, I need a little more proof. So that's our first response. Can be like, eh, I'm just going to keep my hands off of that one. I'm not going to go to Hillside anymore. I'm just going to find a church where they sing some hymns and I'm just going to sit and not be challenged. Been there. I've been there. That's number one. Let's move on. Verse seven. And he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. 
First of all, that word marveled is not a very good description of what that actually means. I did a bit of digging and, and that actually means fear. They feared. I mean, and not in the fear of like all oh, the holy, like they were downright scared. Now think about it. You've never seen this happen before. This guy is laying, all right, paralytic. Who knows how long he's been paralyzed, all right? They have no idea, but this guy, I'm going to guess for a while, has been paralyzed, shows up, and Jesus just speaks a few words, and he stands up and walks home. I don't know about you, but if I've never seen that before, I'm probably going to be a little scared. But these people were just downright fearful, all right? Response number two, we can be afraid and we can, not, not that that happened in this, but we can remain in that place of fear. And some of us are there. We see things happen that just don't make sense. That God may be in and God's doing, but because we don't understand it, we move to a place of fear. And rather than take that to the throne of God and rather than pray about that, we remain in that place of fear and we just say, okay, once again, uh, maybe, you know, this church or that church isn't for me. Maybe I just need to go to this place where I'm going to be safe, where this stuff doesn't challenge me, where I just know God is this nice, peaceful thing inside of me and I'll sing and I'll stay there. And maybe the word will challenge me a little bit, but I'm not moving into this thing of supernatural healing freedom, bondage breaking. That's where it starts, where the rubber starts to meet the road, right? I'm going to tell you what, when I came down here, <laughs> this was new territory for me. All right. Sorry, except for one time when I started to get into, um, I just wanted more of Jesus. I wanted all that I could have of him. Right. And I started to, you know, read books by Heidi Baker and really challenged, I mean, like crazy challenged. And then I went to a conference where my son up at Elam Bible Institute was, was going at the time and Bill Johnson came from Bethel, right? And I was like, yeah, I went because I thought, oh, you know, there's such power there. Never prayed for anybody for actual like believing. My prayers for healing were this. Well, be with Pastor Steve and heal him if it be your will. You always add that little caveat at the end, if it be your will. Tell me, what kind of faith does that take? That takes no faith on my part or Steve's faith. That's just like, okay, God, if you want to, go ahead. But if you don't want to, that's fine too. Well, when you go to anything with Bill, it's like, you're, this is, you don't get out of the building without laying hands and praying on somebody. So I remember at the end of the service, the first night, he says, is anybody here suffering from different things? And the lady right beside me, an older lady, said, yeah, from uh, back issues. She couldn't even bend over. She couldn't, right, do any of that. And all kinds of people. And so Bill says, those of you who didn't raise your hand, I want you laying hands on a person praying for them. I put my head down, put my hands down. and thought, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, but not for me, Right. Well, everybody seemed to be praying for somebody, except this poor lady had nobody. <laughs> and I looked up, I thought, oh, really? You're going to make me pray for this lady? I had no faith that it was actually going to happen. Maybe a little bit, but still my prayer wanted to be from all the years gone by is heal this lady if it be your will. That's what I wanted to pray. But instead, Bill led us through a prayer and I was like, and the first time she said, well, I can bend over a little more. And so Bill said, okay, we're going to do it again. 
We prayed again and she could bend over and touch her toes. I was blown away, seriously blown away. You see, you can move to that place of fear. I could have stood there. I could have even said, oh, no, we're good. We're good. Or you can move to that place of faith that says, okay, I don't understand it. I really don't. I still in many ways don't understand all of it, but I want to move to that place of faith that I do. And look what, the, look what happened with the people in the scripture. It says they marveled. They first, they feared, they stepped back, but then they glorified God. So you can take that, all right? And why did, it says they glorify God who had given such power to men. <laughs> if we move from a place of fear, of trembling, and finally say, God, I don't understand you. I have no idea what's going on in this situation. I have no idea what you're doing, but I know you're in it. And so I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to praise you no matter what I see going on, no matter if it's the strangest thing I've ever seen. But if you're in it, I want to be there too. And I'm going to worship and I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to praise you. And I can't believe, I, I, I can only imagine what these people going from that place Following Jesus then experienced, well, I cannot, you can imagine, just read his word <laughs> of the miracles, the things that they saw happen. But then imagine what the scribes saw. We're just going to stay back. There's two different ways we can go. You can, you can doubt and say it isn't true. You can fear and stay back. Or you can step into an unknown and say, okay, I'm in. I'm all in. And when I move down here, I used to, I could tell you where I sat for the first four or five months, was way in the back corner, very last seat back there. I'd come in a little bit late. I'd leave a little bit early and uh, not even in here now. I, I've told you, I can't remember names. He sits in the back. I think he's with the kids maybe. One gentleman was the only guy that talked to me for weeks kept me coming. I see people up front dancing going like, okay, this is, this is weird. I'd see people getting hands laid on them and, and getting set free from something. That's weird. But something inside of me said, I'm going to move past a place of fear. I'm going to step into a place of, I, I just want Jesus. I want him. I want him really bad. So the first question, I just think there's something, I'm going to move into what is his response because I just think there's something on that this morning. But what's your response to what's going on here? What's your response to what's going on out whenever you see it happen outside of here? I hope it doesn't stop here. I hope it doesn't stay here. I hope when you're in a grocery, I've, I don't know how many people I've laid hands on in the grocery store, just who I saw downcast and sad and just, hey, you know, I pray, just pray Jesus and pray the blessing on you. Pray joy into your life. I hope you're taking it out there because that's where the fear really, where things rubber meets the road, right? It's pretty easy in here. I know it is for me anymore. It used to not be, but now it's like, yeah, come on, bring them on. I want to I lay hands on you and pray for you. I want to give you Jesus. I want to bless you. I want the Holy Spirit in you. But whenever you get out there in public, I don't know, I've heard stories and I just, I, I'll tell you my own is, you know, I, I think it was 
Amber told us about where you see somebody and you say, well, if I see him again, I'll pray over him. And then you see him again. You go, well, maybe if I see him the second time or the third time, I'll pray over him. Ever been there, done that? I have many times and I missed opportunities many times because I've done that. But are you willing to step outside of the fear and say, "Okay, this is it, because that's where it's going to make a difference. That's where there's people out there that just they just need a touch. There are so many hurting people, so many people that are struggling in every area, financially, emotionally, spiritually. They just need somebody that's going to say, I love you and I want to give you Jesus. They may not know it right now, but if you just love them and lay hands on them and just uh, sometimes just a hand on a shoulder to say, you know what? Eh, you, don't, you don't look like you're doing too well today. You mind if I pray for you? Hey, I, I just want to let you know you're loved and appreciated. That, so what's your response? And the second part is this, and I want to move to the, what's his response? Because I think it's going to change the way you pray. I'm going to share something with you that honestly happened to me 14 years ago, but, um, but I forgot about it. It's probably honestly one of the biggest hurts that ever happened in my life. I, a lot of you know my story from the hurt from the past church where I was lied about. I was accused of things that didn't happen. I was said I was leading this charismatic movement, you know, and all that stuff. And just a lot of nasty stuff happened. And so when I move into what's his response, I want to, I'm going to go to this because, and I'm still in a place of kind of going through this because it's just kind of fresh to me over the past couple of days. Did a lot of crying. I came in here last night to the prayer room and I just, he's taken through, but this is how much I love him because he's taken me through a place of healing and it's taken 14 years and he's finally bringing me to this place to where I want to step into these things in such a deeper way. Because some of you are out there and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying five, 10, 15 years, 20 years for the same thing and you haven't seen anything happen. His name was Ken. He was my best friend. He started out as my pastor at the church that I eventually went on staff with. And then it moved from him being my pastor to three of us. Uh, you guys, any you guys, you'd be older guys, ever go to Promise Keepers? I used to go faithfully to Promise Keepers. And, and at one of the last ones we were at, three of us guys um, the other guys are five, 10 years older than I was, but we just wanted Jesus and we wanted God to move in our midst. And so we started every Wednesday morning for four years, maybe five years. We rarely missed a Wednesday morning at 5.30 a.m. We would go to a, a truck stop and have breakfast and then go out to the car and sit and pray. And then we just started, you know, we just wanted to hang out then all the time. We just saw God moving. And we felt like we needed to ask Ken, our pastor, to join us in this. So then he became a part of our group and we just, and so then he moved from my pastor to, to a brother and a, just a dear friend. And honestly, I wouldn't be in front of you today if probably it wasn't, he saw in me ministry. He said, Brian, you're, you're called to be a pastor. And so I stepped into that as associate pastor. He, he moved on then from being our pastor to being the brother in Christ have bishops over different regions, different conferences. And he's, he was just so gifted and blessed that he stepped into that. And when he stepped into that role, we got a new pastor, the one that I had all the difficulty with. 
And then I got hired on as the associate pastor there. And then things started to unravel in my life. From marriage to church to family to everything just started to, right? I was getting lied about. I was get, it went to the point of, and I don't think I shared with this before, to the point of where when I was out of my office, they would go and read my emails on my computer. Because I had a couple confident pastors I would share stuff with. So anyway, they got, when, when they started all this stuff, and Brian was a problem child, all right? That's why I was labeled. I was the guy that was causing issues. They got a hold of Ken, who was the bishop, and they said, hey. And at this point, you know, my relationship with him wasn't as strong as it was because he couldn't meet with us, and he had his own many things to do, even though he lived a mile from the church. And so they got a hold of him, and they said, Brian, we need you to kind of mentor Brian because he's struggling, <laughs> right? And I was. I mean, I was struggling in every area. And they said, you want to meet with him? And so Ken got a hold of me. He said, hey, Brian, let's, why don't we meet every other week? We'll meet for breakfast, talk, right, and, and work through whatever's going on. And I want to tell you how excited I was. My old friend, even though I, I was having all these things, I thought, I want to get to hang out with Ken. I was like, he was like probably 10 years older than I was, maybe more. But I was like, I was pumped. I mean, I was like really excited. I want to get back in relationship with this guy. We're going to have a blast. So we met at a restaurant the first morning, and it really wasn't much of a meeting because he was really sick. I mean, really sick. He spent most of the time in and out of the bathroom throwing up, and he said for the past month he'd just been feeling terrible. That was our first and last meeting we ever had. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor and died within a year. And my life went from bad to worse. And I didn't even have my best friend and my bishop there to walk with me and be there for me and help me out. In fact, I was told by a lot of people that if Ken was still, you know, able to be with you, he would have straightened you out. That's what I was told. And then he died within a year and I... Actually, with a week before, he got a hold of me and he said, you need, I, need to, I need to see you. And I don't want to go because I knew he had to like read stuff like this because of the brain tumor and he couldn't even function too well. And I didn't want to go, but everybody kind of forced me to go. Hardest meeting I ever had with him. And uh, I've shoved all these. <laughs> I was so mad at God. My life went. I, I, at that point, I'd say down the tubes, but it didn't. And all, God works all things to the glory for those that love him. All things. I wouldn't be standing before you today if what happened to me back then didn't happen. I wouldn't be in the place that I'm at today. But I was mad. I was upset. I was angry. I was sad, depressed. I was all those things. And that was probably the biggest thing in my life because I thought, how could you let me down again? took my best friend, my pastor, my brother. You took him away at a time when I needed him the most. So to go back to what's his response? I mean, I prayed for his healing. I prayed. I was on my face. I was, we had a prayer room at our church as well. And I'd be lunchtime before I had to work. I'd be on my face just crying out, heal him. God, just come on, heal him. I need him in my life. I Heal him. People need him. 
And he just kept getting worse and worse and passed away. So when I was preparing this message, this is how I'm a little thick skulled. Um, back not long after I felt like God was saying, what's um, our response? I heard him ask me the question, what's my response? And I thought he was talking to me, like, what's my response? And so for a week or so, I'm going like, yeah, what is my response? And so I was like praying about this and I was going, yeah, this is my response. This is my response. And then finally, three days ago, God said, Brian, whoa, back up the back up the train here. What's my response? He was asking, what's my response when you pray? It's like I'm saying, some of you are in that place where you've been praying for something and you just haven't seen it. Maybe you see little things, but then it seems to go backwards. And then you pray a little bit more and that seems to go backwards. I want to show you what his response is. And that's in Romans. I want to start with Romans 8.34, actually. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even, this is it right here. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. You see, when you pray, Jesus is right there with God, interceding for you. Sometimes we pray and we think, man, I'm just not getting through. So I, something must be wrong in my life. I must have this sin issue in my life. I must have something wrong with me because I just don't see him moving one single bit. I want to tell you something. He's always at the right hand of God. Pouring out his heart on your behalf. That word intercession, I love this. I just, don't ask me to pronounce it. Entugano, I have no idea. But it means to encounter, to make a petition for, but this is what I love the most. It means to strike the bullseye. To hit the mark. It means when we're praying and we don't even know what to pray. And we can't seem to find the words because we've been praying so long. And we've been seeking God so long for something. We don't even know what to pray. It's where God takes that. Or Jesus takes that and transforms it into the exact thing that God needs to hear. And this is how, this is what he, um, anybody here know Spanish fluently? No? Oh, we got a couple. Okay. All right. All right. What? <laughs> Shaking red. No. All right. <laughs> Jesus te llama y yo también. Intercede por te. Jesus te cara a cara con Dios. Jesus me llama más de los de los de los que Cris. Anybody want to venture? Jesus te llama y yo también. Jesus loves you. El intercede por te. He intercedes for you. This is one of my favorite. Is that Jesus te cara a cara con Dios. Jesus is face to face with God. Jesus te llama Mas dos las dos le que Chris. Jesus loves you very, very much. You see, I had to look that up and run it by my 
future daughter-in-law who's Hispanic. <laughs> I didn't understand it. But if, and I, you probably, if you spoke fluent Spanish, you probably wouldn't understand the way I said it. But that's what Jesus does before God. He takes what we say and he translates that all over into what God hears. And this is the other, this is the most beautiful thing with this that really got me. It also gives you the picture of, it says at the right hand of God, but this actually in this terminology, it says he's actually in the, in the right hand of God. When we're praying, and you're either praying for yourself or you're lifting somebody else up, he's right there in the hand of God on your behalf. And the other picture of this, when you, when you go in depth in this, is that it's like Jesus, it says, it's like he's taking you with taking you with him before God. So if I'm interceding for Steph, it's like he's taking Steph right before God and saying, here's my beloved daughter. Do you hear this prayer? And it says, and I think it's in Romans 8, 26 to 28, it says with groans and moans that we can't even understand. And so if you're praying for something, this has transformed the past couple of days how I pray. If you've been re reaching out and you've been struggling, saying, God, I just don't get it. I've been praying for this thing for so long and you must not be hearing me. And you might have even given up on praying for it because you thought, no, that when you pray, he is at the God's right hand and he's interceding for you. And he's pouring out his heart before God and saying, oh, listen to my brother, listen to my sister, listen to my son, listen to my daughter, hear their prayer. And he's taking you right up with him before God. Just last night, uh, Steve Stansfield isn't with him. He's not feeling well. Brother, if you're there, I love you. And, and last night, he, he said, oh, pray for me. I'm not feeling well. And I'll tell you what, I got lost in that prayer form, just picturing him right up before God. His lean is always to yes. I don't get it either why some of our prayers aren't answered. I don't understand it. When God was moving in me back when, I just felt um, there was a little girl uh, friends of ours had. She was only, I want to say, seven, eight years old, got cancer as well and was close to dying. And my buddy and I, uh, JD, who was kind of along with me, oh, we're believing, we're going to believe. And we said, let's come, can we come over? We just want, and, and we laid hands and I'm telling you, we believed. We believed. There was no doubt in us. Within weeks, she died. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Heidi Baker thinks she prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people to have their sight until one actually was. So what's your response to that? Is it moving you to a place of, okay, I don't get it, but I'm gonna... I don't get it, but I'm going to move closer and closer and closer to you until I do. Or are you going to step back and let fear and all that take place and let the doubt and say, yeah, you know what? I prayed about this thing for like five years now and it's not worth it and I'm done. What's your response? 
It's great when things are going, when God's answering prayer and, and things are just, oh man, I'm so excited. And it is. And right now, that's why when I come into this place on Sunday morning, I expect something to happen. I expect people to get set free. I expect that people come to me and want prayer. I expect something to happen. But what about that thing you've been praying for for a long time? Do you still expect that? Or does the doubt start to come in and the fear start to come in? I want us to start praying in a way where we believe that he is really interceding for us because he is. It's a beautiful picture. It really is. We all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den, right? And makes it, you know, the next day. Do you know what often, the other thing that God showed me yesterday, what gets lost in that story is what happened when Daniel was in the lion's den? King Darius fasted and prayed and he interceded for David. That's what Jesus is doing. That is what Jesus is doing for us. Even though, get this, King Darius could have felt guilty. He could, he's the guy that threw him in the lion's den. He agreed to say that if you, you know, give honor to God, if you whatever, you know, he agreed with the people and said, you can't do that. And David did, or David, um, Daniel did. And so he threw him in the lion's den. So he could have said, oh man, I blew it. I blew it. But it said he couldn't sleep that night. He said he set himself to fasting. He didn't even, you know, have the people come whenever kings would not be able to, you know, rest. They'd be rest. They'd have people come play the harp and the, you know, he said, no, nope, get away from me. I don't want any of that stuff around. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. That's what Jesus does for us. When we're in the middle of it, and we don't understand it. When we've been at it for days, weeks, months, years. He's never left the side of God. And that right hand is what? Means what? What is that in God's terms? The right hand of God. Power. Strength. Right? He's right there. So what is it this morning? I think this is what God's on. There's some of you that are just about broken right now. Because you just don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of praying for this. I'm tired of striving for something that I'd never see an answer for. I think you're just on the verge of something breaking loose. And I think it will as long as, if you can get this into our hearts and minds that he is right there with you and he is at the right hand of God, interceding, pleading, pouring his heart out on your behalf because he loves you. He is deeply, passionately, overwhelmingly in love with you. I think if we get this part of it, I can't wait to see what happens in Millersburg, in Halifax, in Elizabethville, in Dalmatia, and all these other tiny little towns that I have no idea what they are. God wants to move. He wants to say yes. And I think if we join together in this thing of intercession and believing that God 
is intercede or Jesus is interceding on our behalf. Watch out Northern Dauphin County. I'm telling you, there's nothing that he can't do with a bunch of people that are on their faces before him. Praying, worshiping, praising, and just seeking after him. Um, you guys, how many of you um, know the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul? Good? Go ahead, you can put... We're going to do this acapella. You want to follow me. If you know the parts, sing, the, sing it in the parts. This is a story, and if, I'm not even going to get into the whole story, but this guy wrote this hymn at a time when he was broken. He lost most of his family. He lost his business in the fire in Chicago. He, he was broken. And these are the words that he penned on the way back home from being overseas on a, on a boat. Um, I hope I can get it started right. <clears throat> When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul though Satan should buffet though trials should come let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Why don't you stand up as we finish it? It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Do we have the other verses? That, oh, no, we go. Oh, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul.
And Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. You can remain standing as we close. So what is it? that God's renewing in your mind and in your heart that you kind of give up on. That person you've been praying for, that situation you've been praying for, that you just haven't seen an answer. Know that our Jesus is interceding on your behalf at the right hand of God, taking whatever it is you're saying and translating it into love and into words that Papa God is hearing right now. And I want to challenge you with this. It says we're, if two or more agree on one thing, right, is given. And I want to challenge you, if you've been praying by that thing, for that thing on your own, I want you to join with somebody in praying that thing and letting them join you in that intercession. There's power in that. There is power in that. Yeah, I know he can answer the prayer on our own. I get that. I've seen it happen. But there is power when more than just yourself joins in and prays with you. So I want you to grab somebody. It doesn't have to be right here. A trusted sister, brother, whoever that is. And let them intercede with you to Jesus on your behalf. So Lord, we pray your blessing on these people. Lord God, oh, I can't wait to see what you're still. We, we've had so many wonderful things happen, but our stories aren't over. This is only part of the book. It's only part of our life story. You have so much more in store for us, for our church, for our families, for our community, for the world out there. And so, Lord Jesus, may we, as we go before you in prayer from here on out, may we just know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are interceding on our behalf. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise for everything you're doing in our midst. And we will shout, sing, glorify your name for you alone are worthy of our praise. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Have a blessed day, everybody.